Welcome to Conflict Managed. I'm your host, Mary Brown. Today on Conflict Managed, we are joined by Chris Smith, Lifeline Peer Project Coordinator for the Tennessee Department of Mental Health and Substance Abuse Services. Chris Smith is a certified peer recovery specialist, social worker, treasurer for UP Outreach, committee member of West Tennessee Addiction Network, part restaurant owner, fitness instructor, and recovery coach. Chris is passionate about helping individuals improve areas of their lives they find themselves struggling in to become better and more productive for themselves, the people around them, and their community. Good morning, Chris, and welcome to Conflict Managed. Good morning, Miss Mary. You look fabulous today. Oh, thank you. So do you. Your hair is nice and coiffed. Very nice. I hope so. I pay a lot of this. <laughs> well, Chris, one thing that we normally do in this podcast is start with talking about work history. Can you tell us what you've been doing in the past half a decade or so? Oh, yes. So uh, really, and I, I'll just be upfront and honest, really the last half a decade or six years, the last six years I've been in recovery. So my work history prior to that is almost irrelevant. It's pretty, it is just to be, just to be honest. Um, so in recovery, my last six years, I've had several different positions and of course, a lot of them are just uh, entry level positions. And I was just excited and grateful to have a job. You know, especially with my mind, with my mindset uh, being aligned with what I wanted to do in life, really. And so, um, and so, my first position that I got fresh out of this rehabilitation center I was in and in uh, in transitional living, I could first of all I couldn't get a job because of my work, my 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 history. It was my past is really checkered, and I was just. I didn't care what it was. I didn't care. I just wanted a job. I wanted someone to give me a chance. And here was the whole thing, too. Uh, what I noticed looking back, and, and, and these were like fast food chains and stuff like that. They were looking at my background, and I get it. I do. I get it. But I was already leaving an impression that was stigmatizing for me, for me, and they weren't looking at who they, they weren't looking at the person sitting in front of them right then, you know, and I had a lot to offer, but they didn't see that value. And I get it. I do. I get it. And so I didn't get a chance. And I remember this woman, she uh, owned a cafe and she gave me a shot. She gave me a shot. I said, before you look at my application, because it was an on-site app, application and she said well we can just do an interview I said yes I said well let me tell you a little bit about me and she listened she listened to it and she gave me a job she gave me a job she she took a chance on me and I'm grateful she did and I believe she's great I, I believe she's grateful she did too and that first job it was very difficult. Oh gosh, it was so difficult. I was just, I was washing dishes. Like I said, we were at a cafe, I was washing dishes. I was doing some uh, preparatory things, uh, whatnot. Uh, she left us alone pretty much. And she really didn't micromanage us. She had a framework laid out. Hey, this is what we've got to do. She owned a catering business as well. Uh, very successful there, very busy with that. And that's what I wanted to do. I won't ever forget this. 
And that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to be, I wanted to be doing the catering because they got tips, they got to dress up, they look, you know, it was, I mean, I said, that's what I want. She had me washing dishes and I lost my gratitude. I was a few months in, I was a few months in. And of course, uh, every week at the beginning of the week, we had team meetings and we were allowed to present our frustrations. We were allowed just to speak openly without any uh, bias. You know what I mean? And so, and I didn't though, I didn't, and I should have. And my attitude was kind of (laughs) starting to go downhill. I was discouraged and I just, I told, I thought to myself, you know, uh, I'm just only a dishwasher. And I didn't see the value in that. And I started kind of snapping at the other employees there. And uh, I won't ever uh, forget it. She pulled me to the office. And we'd had, over the course of those months, we'd had some great conversations, fantastic, beautiful conversations. And, um, she pulled me in the office and she said, Chris, she said, what's going on with you? And I told her, I said, I, y'all guys are going to do this cater. It's, it's, it seems like it's not important, but it was so valuable. And I said, I want to do that too. And she said, there'll be a time for that. You know? And she said, well, let me tell you something about you, Chris. She said, the, she said, the guy that I met, the guy that I met and the guy that I know now, when I heard you talk, I believe that life has something to offer you and you have something to offer life and you are going to go places. You're going to do great things and you're going to help a lot of people. I have no doubt in my mind and in my heart that that is what's going to happen. And whatever you do, whatever you do, you are going to be the best at what you do. I don't doubt that a minute. And I said, and I was like, well, thank you so much. She said, but, but in order for you to be the best at whatever, in whatever area of life you head down, you've got to be the best dishwasher. And I need you to wash those dishes like your life depended on it. Mm. Yeah. And that stuck with me because I was creating a foundation, you know, and she was showing me that that's what I needed to do, that I needed to establish this foundation, first of all, of of being grateful, but also doing your best and doing it with a good attitude. I won't ever forget that. And it helped me. It did. It set the tone for everything else that I've done. Wow. I love that obviously first that she saw the greatness in you. I see it in you, but that she saw that and she gave you a chance and that she also didn't give up on you. She could have said, all right, I don't like your attitude. You're gone, but she didn't. So she was, what a wonderful picture of a leader being consistent in who she is and being consistent in the message that she's giving you. I also love that this is a cafe and she's having weekly meetings where people can say what's really going on. Now, whether or not employees do it, a lot of times we think that is for the, the, the uppity ups where they have these kind of meetings. I say, no, it's for everybody. I don't care what kind of job you have. If you're a dishwasher or you're the CEO, 
everybody needs to be heard and have a space where they will be listened to. Mm, that's exactly right. That's and it made me feel important. Mm -hmm. So it's it really wasn't even about um, it, the job being important. It was about the importance of doing your job correctly and to the best of your ability. And that's what she that's what it, it she painted the picture wow. beautifully. That is beautiful. Oh my gosh, it wasn't, I'm not just wiping dishes now. No, no, that's not, you're not getting it, Chris. And she showed me that from a place of patience. You know, like my attitude did not influence her to get out of character. Mm. And that was such, and for me, I was like, that is a great leader right there. Mm -hmm. That is somebody that leads people. And she done so well with that because it did. It changed my life. It changed my life. It, it gave me that foundation. Yeah. And so it showed me that the job isn't important as much as how you do your job. That is powerful. That's, mm -hmm. I think it's so true. And I think that's the key. So many of us don't want the process. We want the end result. And we want the end of the journey. I mean, that sounds trite, but the journey, that's it. I mean, and so it doesn't matter what we're doing. It matters how we're doing it. That's, that's pretty oh, true. It took me, of course. So uh, she had her, her husband became ill. Her husband became ill and she had to shut that cafe down. And I'd, I'd become comfortable there. And I was, I was discouraged because I was looking again I was going to be looking again for another job. And I remembered how discouraging and difficult it was um, being turned down, being rejected, being told no. And that's what happened. I went to apply for a few more jobs and, and I got turned down. And then and I put one in one day, called about it. And it, this was at a, a, a pizza chain in... Um, in the region, one of 17 in the region. And uh, so I called about the job and um, the district uh, or the regional boss was there, uh, just happened to be there that day. And she said, well, come on down. I'm here for like an hour and a half. And I said, okay, I ran down there. I didn't have a, I didn't have a vehicle at the time. I, well, I didn't have a license, <laughs> just to be honest. I didn't have a license. And, um, and so I ran down there. It was two miles away. I ran as fast as I could. I got there and we went over my application. And I said, before we go any further, I did the same thing. I said, I would love to share my story with you. And when I shared my story with her, she began crying uh, because her father was in recovery as well. And so she gave me a job. She gave me a job. I was grateful for the job rain, shine, or snow. I ran that two miles to work and ran two miles home. And I kept a great attitude um, and done everything to the best of my ability. And so in three months time, I became assistant manager at that uh, restaurant. And three months later, I became store manager. And so within six months, and when I became store manager, well, this is going to sound harsh, I know, but in that six months, she asked me, what would I, before she hired me, she sat down 
And she said, what would you do differently at this place? And I said, I would change the culture of this place. And she said, okay, how would you do that? And I said, I would let go of almost everyone here, besides maybe two people, at which I did. And she said, why? I said, because I want to hire people based on attitude over experience. Because if their attitude is right, then they will have the right mindset to garner the experience that they needed to be able to run this place efficiently. And so that's what I did. And we took that store, it was a Papa Murphy's, we took that store from 17 out of 20 stores in the region within the next four months, we got it down to, we got it to three. We got it to three. Yeah. And so I started and then the vice president and um, of the chain, uh, a few other execs came in and asked me to start doing managerial meetings once a month with the other stores, other chains um, in that Nashville area and start talking about teamwork, discipline, and attitude once a month. And what does that look like um, in your store? And so I started doing that. I started doing that. Everything was going great. And, um, you know, God called me back to my hometown. And my, the trajectory of my life was like moving so fast. And I was climbing that scale so quick that I did not want to go back home and start over. And that's because that's what I thought I was going to be doing. And after wrestling for about a month with that, I came home and I said, what am I going to do? I have no clue. Of course, mind you, while I'm up there, I'm going to school. I'm going to school. I'm teaching uh, some classes, recovery classes up there. I'm running this restaurant uh, or this uh, um, yeah, fast food restaurant, pizza chain, and things are looking good for me. And I come back home and I'm scared to death because I believe I'm going to get stigmatized and I'm not going to be given a chance. And so I'm at this new gym. This new gym was fixing to open back in my hometown. I came back in December of 2018 and they were opening up around Christmas of 2018. And so I came home and I just shared my story with the gym owner as we were working out. And I let him know what was going on. And he gave me, he gave me a job. He gave me a job. I ended up uh, going to taking classes to become a fitness instructor. I became a gym manager. We started doing these classes. And then he allowed me uh, the platform uh, to do recovery work out inside the gym, to use that as a foundation to uh, start some recovery work in the community. And today, still to this day, we still do that. So much so that Channel 7 came down, heard about us doing this stuff. Uh, our local news channel came down and uh, interviewed us about what we were doing. And, uh, and so he gave me free reign, free reign in my wheelhouse to create, to create. 
you know, which was a beautiful thing. And I still work there from time to time, or I do personal training there and he's opened up the doors and we still do programming uh, there. And so, and so I stayed there for a few years or a couple years and I was continuing to share um, in my community, outside of my community in this region and, and throughout the state and, and some other states that touch us, I was sharing my story. And we happened to be at Bethel University uh, sharing to the community uh, one, one evening. And after I got done sharing, I met this gentleman. He came up to me and he said, man, your story's great. Uh, here's my card, call me sometime. And so I called him and we developed a, a friendship over time and I helped him uh, get people into treatment and stuff and and talked and went and talked to other individuals and he ended up taking like a promotion and the job and so his director said do you know anybody who could fit this position and he said yes uh, the position was the position that I'm in now which is which is um the Lifeline Peer Project with the Tennessee Department of Mental Health and Substance Abuse Services. And so we do peer project coordination in Northwest Tennessee, and that looks like an array of things. I'm, I'm not gonna get all into that, but it's a lot of interaction, connections, uh, relationship building, and um, resource sharing, networking, you know, and just trying to build a better sustainable recovery community. And it's been, it's been a beautiful thing. It's and and I've had. It's crazy because I've had, um, and and my I call her my leader. She's my boss uh, here, uh, Courtney Eccles. You know her well. And um, shout out Courtney Eccles. Hey, great leader, <laughs> great leader. I'm just telling you. Um, and if you but, want to hear more about Courtney, I did interview her a few episodes ago. So, um, and before you, you go on, I wanted to mention something about uh, what you said about the, the gym owner and how he lets you be creative. Mm -hmm. And the creative impulse that we have when we think about work satisfaction, mm -hmm. all of us, no matter what we're doing, I think we have this innate ability to create. And whether that's just curating how we do our work or um, doing something larger, I think if we want to have healthy work environments, we don't micromanage and we set the conditions so that people can create. Oh, it was beautiful. So because uh, it, it made me feel valuable. Okay. Yeah. It yeah. did. Like this wasn't just, hey, it, it, you know, he <clears throat> helped me to because sharing my story is one thing and all that other stuff and I'm confident in that but I'm in a new arena for me I'm in a new arena this working by where I didn't know I had a voice and he says it with that with that he says yes you do use it and use this this employment here use this job to be able to navigate to other people with what is your wheelhouse mm -hmm. you know, marry those marry those he says you can marry those and i'll get out of the way of that yeah and i appreciate it because he gave me confidence to lift my voice in that you know mm -hmm. and and so um and, and so we're still friends today 
And the beautiful thing is, this is what's so beautiful about all the jobs that I've had. When it was time for me to move on, although sad and emotional, those leaders or the bosses that I had, they encouraged it. Go. They go. And because they, and they all said pretty much the same thing. We knew we weren't going to keep you <laughs> because there's other things for you to do. And so that I didn't realize it, that they were building me up to prepare me for the next big thing that was coming. You know, I love that so much. I mean, so many times people leave worse off than they came. Mm -hmm. They leave limping instead of healthier. And of course, the sign of a, a healthy organization or a good boss is that uh, we are better than when we started that organization, that we have grown and how sweet it is to mm -hmm. feel sad that you're leaving because you've made those relationships and that work, but people encouraging you on instead mm -hmm. of. I'm leaving that toxic environment that was so awful and I'm now damaged. Yes. Oh, yes. And I've not, I, and that's the whole thing. And I've not, I've had the privilege of in my recovery in these jobs and of my transition to um, have such great work environments. Mm -hmm. You know, I've been blessed and lucky to have that all in their own, doesn't mean there's not bumps, doesn't mean there hasn't been uh, some small conflicts, but we work on resolutions instead of focusing on the problem. Mm -hmm. You know, we come up with the resolution. And, and so I've been blessed to be able to have that. Here's what's, what's wild. Um, and of course, I spoke with my boss about this. I've been offered in the last... Uh, well, in the last month, five weeks, I've been offered four other jobs. Great, <laughs> Mary, great paying jobs. Great, great paying jobs. And I, I met, I sat down. I sat down with my boss each time and I spoke with her about it. And I just told them that the, the, the ones that offered, I appreciate it. And here are my requests. Here are my requests. This is contingent on me accepting the job. And if you can't, if you can't oblige that, then I'll stay here at, for less pay because the culture of this place and the freedom that I have with this, uh, this job, this employer is priceless. I don't care if it does pay 30 or 40,000 more. It's not worth me being in, in, a, in a place that may be toxic, in a place that I can't move, in a place that, you know? And so they, Courtney has allotted me that and provided this safe space for me to be myself, to be myself. And that's okay. That's okay. So that costs more when, when I'm weighing it out the freedom of being myself weighs out much pricier than a $25,000 or $30,000 raise. Yeah. yeah. So I'm grateful for that. Yes, I'm grateful for that. You know, I think that, I think what you're talking about is something that most of us crave, which is to be seen, to be treated as a professional, and this idea of freedom. 
right? Mm-hmm. So if our, our employers or bosses can make the conditions so that we are told what to do and then we're set free to do it within a parameter, but set free to do it and to create and to be the professional. And as you said, to be ourselves and mm-hmm. embody those roles. And when we think about what matters, of course, being fairly compensated is important. But as you mentioned, and I see all throughout the literature that people will leave um, a high paying job if it's if it's toxic or they'll they'll go someplace else that's lower paying because if you don't have your mental health, if you dread going to work, what, what kind of life is that? I mean, this is our life. And is that how you want to spend it? Oh, gosh. So that's the whole thing. We have a we have a weekly meeting every Monday. And so, and our team says, we treat Mondays like Fridays. We treat Mondays like Fridays. And what does that mean? It doesn't matter if it's Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday, you know, because uh, when everybody gets close to the weekend, we feel a little more energized. You know, we feel a little more talkative. You know, uh, our attitude is, is in a little better spot. But why can't it be on Monday and Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday? Why? And so we treat every day the same. Because every day is like Friday around here. It is. It's beautiful. And that takes time. But that takes time to create that environment. It does. And, and it takes communication. And the only way that we're going to understand people's behaviors, attitudes, their personalities, to get a true understanding of someone is if we allow them the space to communicate that with us. Uh, their background you know, the way they were brought up, you know, their environment and, and what every, I mean, it's, it's everything. So it, when I came on, when, when I came on, I didn't know that I would be received as well as I was. I didn't know that. And so I was reserved initially, you know, because I can be a little my my personality it can be a little assertive a little aggressive and they were like no no we're all like that like you know like oh, you know what i mean like no in some sense you know we're just us just be you and i, I embrace that i embrace that and i believe that uh i believe that that is why as far as our organization compared to the other organizations um uh, in our region or even throughout our state that we're highly recognized, you know, and it's because of that leadership and in, in that environment, which it, and it's, here's the thing that there in itself is fuel to do even better. Yeah. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. Because everybody else is on top of their job and they're doing it well. And it's a motivating factor okay, let me do my job well too, you know, in my role. So collectively, we're strong as a team. It's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. Just let me ask you this, because I know that a lot of your job is remote, not remote in the sense that you're sitting at home on a computer, but you you travel, you go all Mm -hmm. over this, you know, the state, this region, um, and so a lot of your work is remote in the sense that you're out of the office, but then you are in the office every once in a while. So how do you see, how do you have such a good team 
if you're mm-hmm. not there and interacting all the time or, or tell us about that what do you think are the good foundations that maybe other people can pick up on that's a great question because i, I call myself the lone wolf <laughs> because uh I'm, I'm not in the office much matter of fact when i came in today we, of course, we had our staff meeting today and then i uh, went back home which is like 30 minutes away and then i came back up here for uh, some other business and i came in and, and our secretary said wow two days or two times in a day i was like yeah yeah and she said you must miss us and i said i do but it's going back to communication and really sitting down and I don't call it selective. I don't call it active listening. I just call it listening to people and their lives and, and my, and my coworkers or my team and creating those relationships to where if we haven't seen each other in, in, in a few days, four or five days, I may get a text, miss you, brother. I miss you, you know, and then I call, boom, I call, let's have a talk because I am on the road a lot. I am on the road. And so um, I'll, I'll just text and be like, are you busy? And no, you got time for a five or 10? Sure. Okay. Let's talk. And so if I'm not, just because I'm, I'm out of the office, doesn't mean that my coworkers that are in the office have to be out of my mind. Mm. You know, and so I want to, yeah, I want to know what's going on with them, just like they want to know what's going on with me and have that support. Mm -hmm. So uh, we can have that. Yeah, we can have that support. Things are going on in life. Let's talk about it. You know, or nothing could go on. We could just, we could talk, we could be talking about what's, what we're cooking for dinner that night. It doesn't matter. Let's just have the conversation, you know, because we're more than our job here. You know, we're tied. We're, we become tighter than that. We do. We become tighter than that. And we become support in and outside of the office. And so I appreciate that. Yeah, I do. I appreciate that. You're saying the word support, and I'm sure that's up the proper word. But one thing I'm hearing is care, right? What does it mean to care for mm. other people? And we have all different kinds of relationships, you know, family relationships at home, friends mm-hmm. out of the office, relationships with coworkers. And what does it mean to care? And I love what you said, they're on my mind. Or just believing I'm a part of a team. And as a part of a team, I act in a certain way. Mm-hmm. And then acting that way. And I think, I mean, it's so simple, mm-hmm. but very powerful mm-hmm. to care for the other members of your team. That's it. That's it. It's, it's, it's real simple. That's what my recovery tells me is to keep it simple. And, and so in recovery and in my recovery, the, the opposite of addiction is connection and relationships. Why can't that be a carryover into everything else that I do? So we connect and we we have relationships, but we don't just have the relationship. We build it and we develop it into friendships, partnerships, support and care. That's it. And all it takes is saying, hey, brother, I miss you. Hey, sister, how you doing? That's it. And, you know, and it's 
And it's like a light switch that you don't even know may be happening with that other individual that gives them momentum to get through their day and, and, and them tell themselves, hey, I got this. I got this today. So the next time that you come in and you have that, that meeting on Monday, like today, you don't just come in and say, hey, you come in and you hug them. You give them a hug. You know, it's crazy. It's crazy, but it's, but it's so effective. It's so effective. And it's on us to sustain that with those conversations. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And yet it's on us to sustain it, right? This is intentional effort. And it's a habit. When you get into the habit of intentional effort of caring for others, mm -hmm. then you intentionally do it. And and then it becomes easier because you've habituated yourself, but you have to keep it up, right? I mean, I know that you work out and, and if you don't, then your muscles will atrophy, right? That's and right. if, but once you have that habit, then it's easier to do it because you have developed. I think mm -hmm. it's the same thing with our coworkers. If we want to have strong teams, mm -hmm. it starts with us mm -hmm. doing very simple things by just seeing others, mm -hmm. acknowledging them, not mm -hmm. once but continually <laughs> continuously and and I say all that I don't I don't want to paint the picture that we have perfected uh what a team should look I, because we have conflict there's rebuttal <laughs> or dispute you know but this is but this is the beautiful and we have disagreements and and, and whatnot and this is the part that is beautiful that after that happens, I may pick up the phone and call and say, I, I, I'm sorry, I hate that that happened. We could have handled that better. Mm -hmm. Or vice versa. Hey, brother, I'm sorry we went through, you know, mm -hmm. and we don't let it rest. We don't, we don't just put it to bed mm -hmm. without, without dealing with it. You know, that, and so, and I believe that, Again, it goes back to simply um, having that communication to where they know, hey, I can make this phone call and I'm not going to be perceived as weak or I'm not going to be perceived as a judgmental or I'm not going to be perceived. I can make this phone call and say what I need to say. And I know the other person on the line, other end, is listening with integrity, listening with compassion. And they're going to accept what I have to say. And they're going to receive what I have to say, you know, and I, yeah. And I think that just takes time. It, does. it takes time and it takes practice. Well, everything worth doing, right? It takes time and practice, our attention. Everything. everything. Yes. Yes. Everything. Mm -hmm. So Chris, I know that you are in recovery. And mm -hmm. if I think about where you were six years ago versus where you are today. Can you tell our listeners just a little bit about what your life looks like now, six years post-recovery or in the middle of recovery? However, I'm not sure what the right word is. Um, mm -hmm. To give other people hope if they have family members or then themselves are struggling with addiction, to show a picture of what's possible. So my whole life was toxic, right? My attitude and my outlook uh, was just negative. I didn't believe that I had a chance. And my, in my past, 
I just felt like that was all life had to offer me. And, um, and then, of course, if, when I got a job, I, I, I just felt inferior. You know, I felt inferior uh, initially. And, uh, but there were people, as I stated earlier, that grew me, that helped grow me, you know, and, and manicured my life for me to where today that I believe that anything that I set my mind to, I can do. It doesn't matter what it is. And I'm not really uh, concerned with the result or the outcome as much as I am focused on the doing of that, because then I get to find out more about who I am, who I am. And I'm a resilient individual today. And my resiliency says, oh, no, I belong here. I belong here. I belong in this room, in this office, around this table, providing my valuable resource of information, of whatever that is, my voice to these people that are around the table as well. And so I did not think I, there was a place at the table for me, but there's plenty of, plenty of room for me here, plenty of room and plenty of room for me at the next table. And so I'm just, I'm more confident. I'm passionate about life today. I'm passionate about people today. And I use all, everything that I've been through. It doesn't matter if it is with the addiction or with my mental health or uh, with a work experience. I use all those experiences to garner that data, right? And release it to the world. It release it to the world for them, for them to see, hey, it, a setback's not a setback. You know, your past is, is, is just your past. And there is a spot for you. There is a spot for you. So go to your spot, wherever that is in life, go to it, but go to it with compassion, go to it with a great attitude and have a new perspective, have a new perspective. Chris, as you think about the world of work, is there something that you would like to see happen so that people are not only treated with dignity and respect, but are encouraged to flourish. What do you think needs to happen for that? Oh gosh, so simple. It is so simple. If we could just look back over our whole conversation, I shared my, my story, my history with those individuals that gave me a job. Do I believe that I would have attained the job without sharing? No. Do I believe that I would have attained the job without sharing my story and they didn't pay it any mind? No. They were willing to listen to me. They were willing to listen. So anybody in leadership positions, Anybody that's trying to create a, a positive environment, a place where you can be vulnerable, a place of transparency, that leader needs to be able to listen well and allow that person 
the space to communicate whatever they need to communicate. It's that simple. It's that simple. Yeah. That's wonderful. Mm -hmm. So very important. Mm -hmm. Chris, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. Yes, ma'am. Thank you, Miss Mary. So much, so much. Take care. And I really appreciate all the work that you're doing for our community. Thank you. Look forward to uh, working with you again. Yes. Take care. Bye-bye. Chris, thank you so much for coming on Conflict Managed. I really enjoyed our conversation and all our conversations together. If there's a guest that you would like to hear on Conflict Managed, please let us know. You can find us online at 3pconflictrestoration.com. Conflict Managed is produced by third-party workplace conflict restoration services. I'm your host, Mary Brown. If you would like little one-minute videos on how to address conflict at work, can find me on TikTok at 3P Conflict Restoration. Our music is courtesy of Dove Pilot. And remember, conflict is normal and to be expected. Let's deal with it. Until next time, take care. <laughs>